You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Surf Stories, the podcast brought to you by the Florida Surf Film Festival. I'm your host, John Brooks, and with me, as always, is co-host Kevin Miller. How are you, Kevin? Good, John. I'm right next to the microphone, and I'm talking really as, I don't know, amazing as I can today. Oh, it's beautiful. It's breathy. I love is it. Is it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. Right. It's good stuff. Thanks, hey, man. I'm I'm super excited about today's episode. Um, we have a uh, singer-songwriter... Uh, now uh, former professional skateboarder, now film director, Matt Costa is with us today. And um, we just had the pleasure of having him out to the festival to show his newest film uh, that he did in collaboration with Rourke. And he also played some music for us. And so, yeah, I'm super excited to sit down and have a chat with him. He's got a, a great career going i mean what a what a great start too i think he i swear to god i think i got from him we didn't cover this in the podcast but i think he literally picked up a guitar in like 1999 we were sitting around the table at the festival um eating pizza or something and i swear to god he said he got picked up a guitar in like 1999 and then in 2003 2004 he was starting to record with jack johnson I was yeah. like, that's one hell of a Bob Dylan stretch of learning the instrument, writing your own lyrics. I mean, there, there's a lot of us out there who are look, you know, looking at that going, holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. Um, yeah. We, we, we didn't talk about that in the episode, but, um, but yeah, we did sit around that night and, and kind of 
get his origin story. Um, and it was phenomenal. He, uh, he broke his leg skateboarding and kind of felt like it was severe enough of a break to end his pro skating career. And so he picked up a guitar and just decided to be a world-class musician instead. <laughs> and yeah, um, and it took him a whole like six months to get there. It's crazy, you know? <laughs> well, absolutely. And I love the, you know, uh, transition. Well, I mean, he's been through it's it's tough not to call him a world musician like with the world music stigma that goes with it you wouldn't want to put that on him but it is a very musicologist type of sound to it it's like oh he's got some of the mexican um influence and he's got the americana influence he's got um some 70s influence in there it's just like it's so rich i didn't know what to expect when we met him and you know it turned out that he's just a really nice guy and <laughs> he's one of us. You know what I mean? He's just, yeah, absolutely. but he's also, he's also not one of us because you know, he's so successful. And I just, I can't wait to turn on people who listen to this podcast, to his music, just hop on, you know, iTunes or Spotify and uh, have a nice drive or, you know, just put it on while you're working. I mean, he, it's, it's deep, but it's also really good for a cold beer. Absolutely. So, yeah, let's uh, let's sit back and uh, have a nice chat with Matt Costa. Uh, first off, yeah, let's let's talk about uh, your most recent film project, which uh, was your first foray into uh being a filmmaker that you uh you did with Rourke and uh we just had the pleasure of showing it at the festival uh Don de los Terremotos like walk us through a little bit about the just the pro- the creative process of uh them approaching you and and saying hey we want you to do this movie and kind of how you formulated it from there okay yeah so when I started um started doing collaborations with Rourke they had asked me here and there to do some arrangements, guitar arrangements, some feedback stuff, some more, um, a little bit more experimental sounds to back up uh, some of their, uh, some of the films that they'd been working on. This is a number of years ago. And so I'd done, I'd done a handful of things with them and I always really enjoyed it actually. I find like doing things like that, I was able to be in a little bit more. It was always a good break to get it out of my normal songwriting process. And then I was able to kind of free up um, some ideas and just explore a little bit. So whenever I came back to songwriting after that, I always felt rejuvenated. Nice. Let's try some things that I hadn't really tried before in that process. So, um, so so that was always really fun. And, and um, yeah, and I'd done that a number of times. And so I, I had a talk with, uh, with Brian Hitzel and uh, um, who is the creative mastermind um, behind, behind Rourke. Yep. And um, he actually lives when I first, met him we, we weren't living right next door to each other but now we live like right next door to each other so like every once in a while we'll meet in the street and have 
a beer and talk about stuff and oh, nice. Whatever, whatever's going on, you know. She's like, oh yeah, we were on this trip. Or a couple of times he had invited me on some trips before. He had invited me to India like three days before, and I didn't oh. have enough time to get any oh. vaccination. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, maybe I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass on this one. Uh, so eventually, he's like, oh yeah, I wanna, I wanna get you out on one, and I was like, cool. Um, so. He's like, oh, yeah, I want to meet me in meet me in the street. I want to I want to talk about some ideas. I got some got some fun ideas. And, and so I met uh, I met him in the evening one day, and we were talking. And he was just saying, hey, you know, we want you to come out on this trip. I was like, oh, that'd be great. He's like, why don't you do some music for it? That'd be great. He's like, we want you to make the film. I was like, okay, <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, I was like, all right, I'll do it. I was like, but you know, um as far as my only experience with that was just doing i'd written some uh treatments for music videos throughout my career and a number okay. of those and i'd worked on a lot that worked with a lot of filmmakers um and i and then more recently um i'd been doing a bunch of music videos during similarly um to a lot of people just started kind of making do with what they had during the pandemic then i started just like making these really um um mixed media videos and and short films and ideas for my um for the last record that i put out that happened to coincide with like the same same year that the world shut down i wasn't able to do any touring for the record or any normal promotion so i just started making a bunch of stuff um more than more than normal um and so that's that was all my experience with with actually hands-on um film, you know film, filmmaking and so i was like well okay i can do it <laughs> and i was like i gotta get i had to get someone who actually could like who had experience with that as well like more just on the out in the field more so my friend jordan sure loveless had done a bunch of he'd done a bunch of stuff he'd done um bunch of um sur- like surfing and a bunch of snowboarding and just like motorcycle stuff and i knew that if um like basically if we needed someone to hang out of the back of a truck um if i fell out then he could take the reins for me you know so <laughs> nice. um, but but we teamed up it was a great it was a great it was a great team and and i felt like really a great combo um so that was the first person that i thought of um and i reached out to him and he was like oh yeah i think i think i'd be down to do it and so simultaneously i was like okay well i'm gonna write a treatment and um and so the process began and so had like when you sat down to write the treatment was that something that you had like had in the back of your mind already and you thought um you know someday i'll try to write this down either either into songs or into a, a short film or something or was it the kind of thing where like after you talk, talked with ryan which by the way the the i just like the idea of calling and saying like meet me in the street we got something to talk about oh <laughs> that, yeah, that, yeah yeah it was it, that should be that should that should be like more normal thing like hey meet me in the street or um, you know let's meet at the fence or something um it was super real yeah yeah, no, yeah. It's like that's the kind of thing where i felt like um yeah it was i mean it, it you know you, you hear you know you think about things coming together organically and actually it really 
It really is. And I think that that's something that I really appreciate about, um, on a side note about, about Ryan and, and the Roar folks and things like that is that I think that, um, especially what they've been doing a bunch of the run and muck stuff now too, but they organize yeah. marathons and running events that are just literally out their door. You know, I went to one on the 4th of July morning and they have access to all these great trails and through the hills here in Laguna. And they just, you know, a bunch of people came up and down from, from all over, you know, way down South and up North and to participate in it. And some people are out there all the time, but I feel like, um, you know, they're, they're really about sort of, having a strong community and then just, um, and also, um, bringing that wherever they, wherever they go. So I, I really believe that the, the heart is in it. And, um, I think that that feeling kind of bring about wherever they go. So it's pretty, yeah, pretty, it's pretty impressive to see a company do that. It's really, I think that's, that's awesome. Yeah. And great, I, actually, I, from what I've seen, so. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I worked in the industry for uh, a decade and yeah, you, you don't see that super often. And, um, and also too, they're absolutely the first uh, brand to kind of cross pollinate between surfing and skateboarding and running. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's really cool. I never really considered myself a runner, but I, uh, I got some of the gear and I've, I've actually been, been hitting the pavement a little bit. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. But, um, so you meet, you meet Ryan out in the street and he's like, okay, Matt, like make the movie. Did you, uh, have that idea uh, in your head already? Or did you sit down and, and come up with a whole, you know, fresh new idea? Yeah. Well, I did come up with a, with a whole fresh new idea. I, I was, um, I, like with my music and things, I was, I originally always tried to go back to like sort of put farther back than what would be sort of on the surface or a little bit deeper than that. Um, with music, I, I study a lot of like roots music and study a lot of where the, like the Appalachian ballads came from and all these things and learned a bunch of these songs that are from the 1800s or 1600s and then to present day, you know, all, all the way to, um, um, you know, you've got, I mean, that stuff, you don't really think it meets the modern world, but I mean, um, I think you've got, um, well, Kurt Cobain was covering, um, you know, Lead Belly songs in Nirvana yep. Unplugged, and a lot of Lead Belly songs go go way back. I mean, some of them go back to, or even The House of the Rising Sun is a sister song to um, a song called St. James Infirmary, which goes way back to the 1600s. So wow. you really think about that stuff, it, it, it all goes really far back. Um, so I always try to get there and then, and then bring it into the, you know, I always try to find that stuff. So I, I was researching a bit about um, Oaxaca and where the, where the, where some of the, where some of that history lies. And, and what I uncovered was that, um, well, first of all, I thought I was like, okay, there's like, the first thing I found out is that there's like really massive earthquakes that happen there and they've done some real damage. And so the terremotos are not only earthquakes, but they're just these like massive, devastating earthquakes. And I thought if there's these big earthquakes, then there must be some like, there must be like a, a vortex there or something like 
historically, mythologically, or whatever you want to put it into the into um, in, in the history of it. So I just started researching that on the internet, and I came across these articles um, that were um, that were written, and they basically talked about um, deep in the caves, which we go to in the film, but they yeah. would make offerings in the caves. And they believed that in these valleys that get covered with all this fog and rain is that they, they saw these um, caves and from the cave openings that's where the clouds came out of. So they would climb up like we did into this into these caves, which are really hard to get to. And they would make these offerings and sacrificial sacrificial uh, uh, sacrificial offerings. And now they don't sacrifice humans, but at one point, at one point they did. And, uh, wow. you know, the blood was shed, the fog would come out, the rains would, you know, give life to all of the, uh, crops and everything. And then, um, and then eventually I just thought, you know, I was like, okay, well, here's the story. Um, we make our way from there, from the mountains down, down to the sea. And then the sea becomes this sort of, um, rebirth rebirth thing that everyone feels when you get in the ocean you kind of are reborn no matter where you're at the second that you get in there so oh yeah um so that was the like idea and then i was like okay well now how am i going to uh how are we going to actually like do this in real life you know so i brought it up to ryan and he's like okay we found the deepest cave system and like all of the one of the deepest cave systems in the world. And he showed me these pictures. I was like, man, I was like, okay, well, we're actually going to go in there. He said, yeah, I think, I think we can get in there. I was like, all right, man, let's do it. And the other part of it too was um, how, uh, yeah, the magic mushrooms are a deep part of their culture too. So we, um, we found these uh, ceremonial um, altars on the tops of mountains and with Maria Sabina, who is an, one of the probably one of the most famous mushroom shamanists who brought um psilocybin to to uh prominence you know by by having these ceremonies with like Jimi hendrix and um um bob dylan and josh Jopp and all these sort of central figures in, wow. in the 60s and stuff so timothy leary and all that stuff too so uh so we, you know, all these little pieces that were there, um, and then, then also at the same time too, I was like, all right, well then, now like, okay, we've got a cave and we've got a mushroom ceremony, but like, you know, what's the reason for getting around these? Are we just kind of wandering around? And so, and we also had Jamie down there too in the beginning as well. So it was like we're gonna be skating in the city, and then I realized. I started thinking about archetypes and things and thinking about who are all these people's roles on the journey. And, and, um, and then each, each place, like each character, um, sort of became like embodied, embodied the place where like skateboarding is a very like urban thing. And while it's like, while you're also creating, you're also destroying something too, you know, in order to like to make something new, it's like, you know, you're scraping away at the pavement or these rails and things like that. And, yeah. And it's natural, you know, what's built up is meant to meant to crumble and be built up again, just like um, civilizations upon civilizations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyways, I know it's like this story probably better if you had, you know, if 
we're all mushrooms as we're talking about it. <laughs> well, well, most stories are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it, honestly, it was really, it was really natural. Like all these things that I kind of thought about once we got down there, it was like, really, it was actually quite, I, I thought, I was like, okay, well, these are very like idealistic things that I, you know, I'm wishing that we could find um, down there in the culture. And it was actually like, it was really natural. And so we just kind of, I just had to make sure the camera was on because that was the crazy thing. There was a bit of a, there was a storyline to it and there was a, an idea, but all the stuff was happening in real time. So to be able to capture all of it, um, you know, it didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, you know, it, it wasn't too staged or anything. It was mostly just like, okay, well, you ready? Okay, here we go. I got the camera and, and we would just like make it, make it happen. So, Wow. And so did you and did you and Jordan kind of trade off with like uh, cinematography roles or did you have multiple cameras going at once? Multiple cameras going at once. Yeah. And we would also trade off. Um, we did some uh, some super eight stuff. And then also him and I both had Sony's and he had a wide he'd have a wide um, lens. And then I also would get long shots. Um, and so as it was happening, we'd, we'd make sure that we kind of we captured it because um, like I said, a lot of it was sort of, you know, you only get to go in that cave once, you know, you only show up to that. It yeah. took us like, I don't know. It took us a couple hours to scale the mountain to get into it. And also the lighting was really dark in there. So we had to over, overexpose it. We we're in there, which I was, and also show the slow, the shutter speed down to even get anything that was remotely usable. Um, and yeah, when we're on the top of the mountain and there's the ceremonies going down, it was kind of like you just had to, we had to just um, make sure we got it and also be present too, because a lot of this stuff, it was, uh, yeah, it was really, it was really profound, profound things. And for me too, being able to immerse myself in the feeling of it all and then also document at the same time, um, I think having that, I was able to, to try to translate that. Um, into the film and then also more importantly into the music because um, uh, the music really kind of carries a feeling and it really brings out that even more emotion and in, in, in what in what we see so yeah for sure well that's I mean that's really impressive um, that you know being your your debut into the filmmaking you know uh, world because um and especially to know that you know it wasn't super staged that it was kind of like okay like we're going to climb the mountain and let's film it and we're going to go in the cave and let's film it and um we'll have the the mushroom ceremony and somebody please turn the camera on you know because that yeah. i think that's one of the that's one of the hardest things for me like i've i've been fortunate enough to do a lot of traveling and and go a bunch of different places in the world and i've i've bought cameras and i've had gopros and I, I have yet to take a single one of them out of the package and and do it because I, I find it a distraction for me personally um, from the experience. Like I want to I want to like absorb all the experience and I don't want to think about like, is the camera on? Is the battery charged? Is all that? So that that's super impressive. That you focus with the light. Yeah. yeah, it yeah. Just to be like, it's a bit. Yeah, it can be it can be a bit daunting, but I think for that. Once you get into you know anything, once you get into the flow of it and the habit of it, I really think it's like it just becomes. It, it did. It became something that you know we didn't really 
think about, obviously. Just like you put a camera on someone at first, they're kind of nervous or whatever, sure, acting uncomfortable. Sure. And then after a couple hours, they're just like, don't even remember anymore. So, yeah. Well, um, I, like I said, hats off to you because you, you did a fantastic job of, uh, of, of putting those things together. And um, I wanted to know too, did you, uh, did you film the footage first and then write the music to the footage or, or was it the opposite way? Had you written the songs before you took the trip? Um, what, what was that uh, creative process like? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wrote one song. I wrote one song before um, and it was just a nylon song. It's in, it's in the film. It plays in the, in the middle of the film when, when they, when they Harrison cross paths with me and then it's also at the end. Um, okay that that's the that's the one that i wrote um and then i wrote it in just in hopes like if i was down there then if we did come across some other musicians that i would able like you know we could teach it to them and we could do another version of it but we didn't have i wanted to be prepared in case it happened but we didn't have time for uh. that um we were literally just like yeah we were just going and going and going so yeah. um i um I wrote that one, and then when we came back, as we were editing um, all the footage, I, my recording studio at home was like one room away. So when we'd be working on something, I'd be like, "Oh, I have this idea!" I'd run in there, and like, um, as Jordan was was working on it while I was away, I would work up an idea of a song, or we would finish editing for the day, and then that night I would work up something, or in the morning before he came there again, and we'd lay it in and most of the time it was um most of the time it um yeah it 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 worked out pretty good i mean some of the ideas you know i i would try a couple things out and it wasn't fully flushed out so then once i realized it was working i would commit more to it like adding saxophones and horns um and um yeah more more arrangement things sometimes i would just do a sketch with guitars and my voice to hear if it would work and then when i knew it would then um then i would really go to town on with with adding some instruments but fortunately i did have my friend adam topol who um who's a who's an incredible drummer i studied down in cuba and things he he was really he's really well versed in uh, latin american music and he loves cumbias especially mm. so um so i i wanted to write a, a cumbia for this one and um and then just add add a bunch of the um a bunch of those flavors and rhythmically which which um which which he was able to to help out with that's cool that's really cool um was there ever so like it sounds to me like you're editing the the footage and then you're going into the studio and you're you know, with the fresh edit in your mind and you're creating, you know, music that goes to that. Did you ever have a scenario where you, you created a sound in the music studio that you liked so much that you went back and changed the edit to fit to that? That's one of the benefits of being, uh, yeah, the like the songwriter and and scoring it and also being the editor as well, because you can think about those things simultaneously. You can put, put on two hats. Um, and so there was a, I did have this vision for my, for the song at the end of the film, which is called the Holy Mountain. 
and it's a song in the surf in the surf section and i had this like i heard it in my head what i want, wanted it to be and we put these songs in there previously a cut one song i had written another was um a temp song from from one of my friends and i was like oh maybe we should put his song in there but nothing was really giving it the energy that i i tried a bunch of different stuff i was like ah but i know what it needs like i heard i heard the um the energy which was sort of this like really driving driving guitar that's playing like double time and then the rhythm is doing sort of halftime thing underneath it which would create this fluidity to it but also an energy without yeah. being just like knocking you over the head and so that one like once we finally had that song in there i like the i slept on it one night and then jordan was coming over and i was like okay i'm gonna write it right now and so i wrote this piece i didn't have words for it but when he showed up we put it in there and he was just like, this is it. And I was like, all right, I went in there. And, and basically um, the words from that one came from the actual experience from being on top of the mountain where there was a ceremony that uh, takes place three quarters of the way through the film. Um, and yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I directly took from an experience on that mountain and just transferred all that feeling into the lyrics for that song. Wow, that's cool. So, yeah, um, all, it all works sort of symbiotically. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, like, what a what a cool like melting pot of creativity between the uh, you know having the idea for the treatment and then um, actually being able to be in control of uh, the the cinematography and where you're shooting and how you're shooting and the lighting and then and then to be able to go in and uh, you know create the soundtrack and uh, find the right energy and sound for it. Like, yeah, that's uh, that's amazing. Yeah, I always feel like just lucky that I can even, uh, you know, have the opportunity to do any of it. And and I also do think that the making, working on the film and making that sort of freed me up to, um, it definitely freed me up to not overthink the, the music in a way where sometimes I'll do that. Because I wasn't even planning on putting out it, releasing the music for it. Okay. I just was thinking, oh, I got to make music that just like brings out the makes this film the best possible um which normally i think okay i gotta make a record and the record's gotta be this in be a thing but um when i was so focused on the film itself the music really just became something that um flowed into it naturally and then it was a gave a framework for it and then once you even listen to it on its own um you know, it's sort of, it can stand on its own too, which I was, I think, really surprised by. But also when, uh, you know, when you first start writing or when someone or myself, I can only speak for myself. When I first started writing music when I was young, I was limited by my own abilities. So, you know, I can only do, I can only do so much. And by that way, it was already conceptual. But the more sure. you do it, the older you get, you learn all these tools and you can just, do it you know you can do so much but i think the ideas become too vast and they can become unclear so to have something like this to to put all those put all the ideas into really help shape a record and i wasn't planning on that and i think that's um it's an um it's an interesting interesting way to go about it so yeah that's, that's cool and and sorry go ahead kev yeah, sure. I I just was gonna say, uh, Matt, to, to for all of this craft, creativity, journey. I mean, this all kind of came from your 
early days in skateboarding and and your love of skateboarding and eventually maybe a little bit of surfing too but your your love of music obviously came from somewhere as well did you have early early influences there or where were you where were you coming from as you know those from those impressionable years those adolescent years and from a music standpoint oh yeah that's a good question uh i let's see well when i yeah when i first started um listening to music um really being discovering on my own was yeah from from escape videos and uh and not even really being aware that someone had to like make a decision to put it in there it just was <laughs> when i heard my favorite when i heard the song at work with the whatever part i was just like i didn't you know i didn't think okay someone's there making the decision i was just like this just works and i feel it and i couldn't imagine it any other way it just existed and so, um, yeah, stuff, stuff like that from hearing, um, dinosaurs junior or Mike Watt and the Minutemen and, or, um, David Bowie stuff that was even more accessible too. stuff that'd be on the classic rock, you know, ch- like Chandler or whatever, like all of a sudden I'd hear like dream on by Aerosmith. It was in a Rodney Mullen part. And I would be like, every time we'd come on the classic rock station, I'd be like, cranking it up and my dad was just like oh you like this i'm like yeah i love this <laughs> he's like I, I didn't tell you about this you know but um you know the and there there was all sorts of um there was all sorts of uh all sorts of that stuff and and i didn't understand how um you know music worked at the time i just i just took it all in so when i started writing songs i just got an acoustic guitar I had an electric guitar actually, but I didn't write songs. I would just play the melodies and things. I'd play Smashing Pumpkins or, like I said, Dinosaur Jr. or Nirvana and like Leonard Skinner and stuff like that. You know, whatever, <laughs> whatever riffs were the most popular riffs that I had ever heard, and then the ones that made me sound like I was better at guitar. Like, oh, this one sounds like I'm really shredding. So, <laughs> um, so I'd learned that really early on, and then, and then. Um, but then when I broke my leg when I was skateboarding, um, then I had a lot of time to sit down. And that's when I started writing, really thinking about songs and started trying to write songs. Um, and um, and so from there, too, um, uh, then the idea of, you know, how someone could craft something like that you know and there was so much that was put into it um i just tried to learn the bass on the guitar like finger picking to me i didn't have a whole band at the time and at the time so i didn't really know that many musicians so i would just try to like learn finger picking styles because it was like all encompassing i could play the bass i could play the rhythm i could play the melody and it didn't sound like i was missing um missing anything and i thought eventually if i learned this then I can just apply that to, you know, expand on that. And, and that's how music works together. It was a really simplified way of trying to understand it. Um, so, Very cool. Um, yeah. yeah. And if, from the beginning of, of your recordings through, you know, the festival in, in June, um, you can tell there's a lot of depth and, 
what like i mean there's a wide variety it's the reason why i asked the question is because i thought damn you know all of, of all the music matt listens to of course he's probably got you know some stuff that i've never heard of in there that's amazing and uh you sh- i think you sent me a couple of the nice things over text message to check out and i appreciate that they were great but you know you've also oh, yeah. got the staples in there too you know and of your generation and man it just flows I, i've really enjoyed the the live concert and if and if anybody missed it we're going to try to get matt back at some point in the future but it was such a delightful pleasant listening experience and you know low stress for me even it, it brought me down at the end of the night I, I caught a little bit of your session between the movies which was great too so i just want to thank you right now and say you know you really didn't have to come out and and spend that time in front of people playing but you did and just thank you very much i thought it was really cool oh yeah well thank you thanks thanks for having me um yeah that that means a lot i i we really enjoy yeah it. i do i do love to play so <laughs> yeah no, that was evident very evident so I, yeah. I think everybody else who felt that too was was just really pleased and so great stuff and and john uh as usual we we trap people we put them in the hot seat right yeah, yeah, we uh, we want to hear a good surf story, Matt, and uh, I'm sure you got uh, a few rolling around in your head. But um, yeah, just uh, give give us your your most recent one or your favorite one, or um, and uh, yeah, let's uh, let's hear it. All right. Well, um, I'll, this one I'll uh, I'll give a shout out to uh, Donovan Frankenrider oh, when nice. I. Uh, when I first, like when I first started playing shows down in um, down here in Southern California, I did, uh, I did uh, well. First started playing um, the first show I did at the Coach House. I was opening for, I opened for Donovan, and wow, um, we we ended up becoming pals, and and we toured a number of years later down to um, Brazil together. And I'm remembering the story just because I saw a post that he's going to be he's going to be down there soon. Oh, okay. So, um, he's going to be down in Florianopolis, and we were down there together. Um, and there was a a guy who started a magazine called Alma Surf, which I think translates to Soul Soul Surf. Okay. And we were down there for a thing called the the happening. We brought down a bunch of uh. We brought down a, a bunch of um, artists um, and and visual artists and um, some filmmakers and also the musicians. So it was myself, G Love, Donovan, and I remember as we were going down there, um, we were doing a radio gig. Uh, I, kind of out in the middle of in the middle of nowhere but there was this like four-story building and the code on the elevator could not have been up to safety standards by anywhere <laughs> means and so there was basically this elevator that had this like it went up four stories you got in it and it was just this like long 
rectangle that just went four stories up and there was no exit and anywhere in the middle of it so if this thing got stuck <laughs> oh, geez. it wasn't you, you were you, there was no there was no escape so um so so we're like okay we got to go up we're gonna do this radio performance and they're like oh yeah everyone get in get in the elevator get in the elevator and donovan's like you can we all can we all fit in the elevator and uh like yeah yeah you'll be fine so then it's like we've got uh matt grundy which is his uh right hand man and a uh, great musician mm-hmm. um but i mean all of us are like six over six you know six feet tall and and um and some so then like grundy gets in donovan gets in i get in here gets in these like a couple other people get in i'm just like and donovan's like this isn't gonna go this isn't gonna go we're not gonna get up we're not we're gonna be stuck in this thing we're gonna die we're gonna die here in brazil oh god and uh and so i think we were probably all probably feeling it from the night before too because we're just like oh god sure all right let's just do it so like we get in the elevator and all of a sudden it's like trying to get up we close the door closes and it's like you can feel it just like struggling and we get up about like i don't know like we get up like about uh like i don't know like a third of the way and this thing and all of a sudden it just just stops on us and i was like oh god i knew it i knew it stuck in this thing oh god what are we gonna do what are we gonna do and he's like he starts like banging on the ceiling and he's like, no, no, I'm, I'm getting out of this thing. And he starts jumping up and down and then eventually it lowers down to the point where like, you know, there's like a crevice that you can crawl through. And he's like, I'm going through there. He's like, don't crawl through there. You're going to get, you're going to get cut in half if you go. He's like, I don't care. I'm getting through it. And he like managed to squeeze through it. And as he squeezes through it, the thing lifts up again. He makes it oh, through geez. after his weight, he like comes out of it. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh God. And so eventually, like they have to like you know get some get some people down there to pry us out of this thing. But um, yeah, I don't know. We made it out alive, and uh, and Donovan's still still around to tell another tale. And um, that's a pretty that's a pretty wild story. Getting stuck in an elevator down in Brazil with the with Mr. Donovan. <laughs> oh, that's epic! Well, thanks so much, Matt, for joining us today. We really appreciate it. And like Kevin said, I just want to echo what Kevin said. Like it, it was um, it was by no means expected, but it was uh, maybe the the coolest experience of that weekend was was having you there and having you play at the intermission and and afterwards. And uh, the fans really enjoyed it. Um, had numerous people come up to me that night or even you know days later i'd see him out surfing at the inlet or something and they're like that was the coolest thing you guys have done like that that was amazing to to not only you know show the film that has his music in it but then have him play music afterwards and so you uh you you made some fans for sure and uh are you going to release the the soundtrack from the movie are you going to release that uh, as a standalone album you think yeah 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 it actually has been released we just we just released the record Nice. Um, and the vinyl will be coming out in found a way, uh, a printing press that could turn it around relatively quick in by September. So I'll mail you guys nice. out a, a couple copies of it as well. Oh, that'd be epic, man. Thank you so out, much. Yeah. And that's put out through, uh, through danger bird records who puts out, um, who's put out a, a handful of my last records. So, um, Awesome. I was happy that they uh, that they wanted 
that they wanted to help out with it. Fantastic. Can can you repeat the name of the label again real quick? Danger Bird. Danger Danger Bird Bird Records. Thanks. Appreciate that. Yeah. So the, uh, I remember you had to leave on Saturday and, and uh, we had a, a little bit of the power outage on, on Saturday night. I don't know. I think I told you, but that we couldn't show the Jerry Lopez movie, which we're actually going to show on August 26th. So if you're feeling yeah. uh, like you want to watch the Jerry Lopez documentary, just give us a call and uh, we'll make it happen. <laughs> I, I wanted to say too, that your performance was the first performance that we had ever had in concert with a film and we we had done small little acoustic plays here and there but this was this was a first for us and we hope to make it you know more part of the festival in the future but um i think we were a little spoiled on the first try so uh thanks a lot oh uh, well yeah yeah well i'm uh yeah i think you guys should do that we'll get some i'll i'll uh yeah i'll put the word out there to anyone when you want to uh you got a wish list. I'll try to, I don't know. I'll just, I'll call them up. Be like, they need you in Florida. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, t- man. T- t- tell Donovan, we've got yeah. an elevator with his name on it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I will. I will. I will Dude, I have to say, <laughs> John, John has, I don't know if you have any horror stories from personal experience, John and elevators, but I mean, the number of people I would imagine they get cut in half trying to get out of an elevator uh, after it kicks back in per year has got to be a non-zero number. But that, I mean, the horrifics of that is just, is terrifying. Yeah. It's actually nuts. Like when, like I've taken specific elevator safety classes through because of the fire department. And it's like the number one oh, thing they, the number one thing they tell you to do is don't try to get out of the do elevator because that's how you get cut in half. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I don't know. We were all, I mean, it was already scary enough and I was like, yeah, here we go. But I mean, Donovan has superpowers, so it's all Yeah, good. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I absolutely. would not try that at home, people. <laughs> no, de- yeah, definitely don't do that. So awesome. Well, again, thanks so much for joining us, Matt. We really appreciate it. And congratulations again on a fantastic uh, film, uh, fantastic soundtrack, and a great show that you put on for us. And uh, yeah, we'll look forward to having you back out again. Yeah, thanks for all the support. I really, I really, uh, I really enjoyed every every minute of it. All right, thanks for joining us today uh, for our chat with Matt Costa. And if you haven't already, midway through the podcast, you should definitely, uh, like Kevin said in the intro, go to Google, go to Spotify. Um, go to iTunes, find his music and have a listen. It's um, I was already a fan. I had heard him in concert um, before uh, the festival. Um, I think Kevin's definitely a fan now. And uh, I think he will be too, if you give it a listen. So definitely go and go and check that out. And, uh, and definitely don't crawl out of an elevator that's stuck halfway between two floors. <laughs> no, don't do it. I don't care how tempting it is. Uh, no. Stay in the elevator until it's properly, you know, separated or whatever you have to do. Um, yeah, I completely agree. I was not really that, um, in touch with Matt's music before the festival and I'm walking around, my head is spinning hundred miles an hour the night we were showing his movie and I walked by the amphitheater and there he was kicking it on the guitar sounding like, I was like, where is this sound coming from? Yeah, We never have this happening at the festival. And then my God, it was nice. And then, uh, you know, after his movie showed, we 
you know, I'd say about 50% of the crowd took off and the, then the crowd that was left was absolutely mesmerized. Um, there were, it was a very chill vibe, you know, a couple of people having a chat in the background, but definitely the music came through and, uh, listening to the lyrics, every word, some people there who had really wanted to see Matt play live. And after COVID, it was a great opportunity just to sit down and enjoy it. Like almost a campfire scene. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That, that was kind of the vibe, you know, we, we did it in the outdoor amphitheater and, uh, some, some beautiful mood lighting and little breeze blowing. And, um, yeah, it definitely, it felt like the, the campfire scene and, uh, with, with a really good musician, you know, next to the campfire. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, so yeah. You, just, you know what made me, by the way, you know, what made me realize, um, just how good Matt Costa is. I, I took the guitar as we were setting up the audio and I'll sing in my living room and I'll play guitar a little bit. <laughs> but when I sang into that microphone and I heard what came out, I was horrified. <laughs> I was horrified. Number one, number two, I don't know how he does it. It's amazing. Like, so just more respect for Matt and uh, what a great, what a great night. What a great evening. Good story. Good to have him on the podcast. And uh, well, John, another one in the books. We're almost to 30 episodes. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's fantastic. And I'm super stoked that we were able to have Matt on and uh, especially right after having him at the festival. And uh, speaking of the festival, we got uh, right around the corner next, uh, next screening coming up here in just like four or five weeks, August uh, 26th and 27th. And for any of you folks that were at the uh, first night um, in June, when the power went out and we couldn't show the Jerry Lopez movie, we have uh, secured the ability to show it again. So August 26th, Friday night, we will be showing the Jerry Lopez documentary. So uh, definitely come back and, and check that out. And then uh, Saturday, we'll, we have some great films. Uh, Ballroom Stack, uh, our, our friend Ben Gulliver, who's been to the film festival before, made a great documentary about Ballroom called Hail Mary. And um, uh, we're hoping that both of those guys will be able to attend. Um, have to wait and see. Um, but then we've also got a great short film from Lauren Hill and, uh, she'll be here, uh, from Australia with her partner, Dave Rostovich and their new little baby boy. Um, so yeah, we're, we're looking forward to it. It's gonna be a great night. 100% man. And, and, you know, who knew the power would go out in, uh, the entire city of New Smyrna beach, right? When we're, I, <laughs> yeah. I think you said it best though. Uh, thank God it didn't go out right in the middle of the movie. It went out before we even started it. So yeah, it was kind of money um if you're gonna have you know the wheels come off it's better maybe to have all four come off at once and then um you can sit hit restart when you get a new car absolutely yeah you know i want to say too um ben wyland has made an incredible documentary about a trip to uh, an anonymous island in alaska with photographer mark mckinnis who lost everything he owned in a fire. I think it's been, you know, through your social media feed at some point, but um, the movie documents his struggle, but also his sort of rebirth into um, amazing waves and uh, an unreal setting. So Ben will be there, Ben Wyland, And uh, yeah, it's going to be a great August 27th. Uh, just for you fans out there, Stacy Peralta is interested in coming on the 26th and we haven't totally finalized that but it is possible so 
Yeah, that'd be phenomenal, by the way, if that happens. So we're going to yeah. try to we're going to do everything we can to make that happen. Um, and that that would be on Friday night. And then, uh, like Kevin was saying, uh, Ben Weiland and his movie Island X will be on Saturday, along with uh, Ballroom Stack and Ben Gulliver's movie and Lauren Hill's movie. And also Drew Miller from uh, St. Augustine. Drew um, is a veteran of the festival, but it's been a number of years since he's been there. And so we're excited to have a new short film from uh, Drew as well. And yeah, it's going to be a great night. And uh, thanks to our sponsors, uh, every night that we do at the festival is a great night. Monster Energy, of course, our presenting sponsor, um, Rourke Apparel, Globe Footwear, Dragon Sunglasses, Yeti, um, Red Dog Surf Shop, uh, Florida Virtual School, um, yeah, we just have such a long list of supporters and uh, and then local folks like uh, uh, Mangrove Bay Design and uh, Scott Yurchison Realty and Nusa Myrna Chiropractic with uh, Donnie and uh, Brian Lehman uh, over at his place. And so, yeah, it's it's such a long list. On, we appreciate the support from uh, from our local community and we love getting our local community together um, and enjoying these nights. So we'll look forward to seeing you folks on August 26th and 27th. And uh, Kevin, any last words? Uh, no, thanks a lot. I think you, you hit it on the head. Biological Consulting Services, Joe Young, if you ever need yeah. some uh, you know, work done in the environment to uh, certify and uh, also um, study uh, the wetlands, uh, he's your man. But uh, yeah, you said it best, John. Thanks for everybody for coming out. We look forward to seeing you on the 26th and 27th. Ew. 